Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the TT Podcast. Now let's park the OM to one side for a minute. It's time for the Tour de France fam, Avec Zwift. It's bigger than last year, well, higher than last year, but will it be better? Joining me to preview the race is my co-host Tom. Tom, how are you? Uh, I was fine until you said the word OM. I was like, what is he talking about there? Uh, but I, I've worked it out. Um, the Tour de as France you know, as you know, I uh, I only speak Spanish at the moment, so uh, the French has gone out the window. Well, let, that's a good segue into our Peru update, Tom. Let's let's hear your Peru update. How is the country of <clears> Peru? Uh, so tomorrow, we, the, the revolution begins. By the from what I can gather, there's, uh, <laughs> there's massive protests in Lima scheduled for tomorrow, and we're being told to like not leave the house. So the country of Peru, uh, still deep in a political crisis, but I'm fine. You're, you haven't been roped into that yet. No, I've got every sympathy with the protesters, but the um, the Peruvian government have honestly like sent in the army and people have been shot. So no, I'm not going anywhere near that. Oh, right. Well, it's suddenly a lot less yeah. funny now that you've said that. Um, yeah. <laughs> last time we spoke, Tom, you were, I think you were marking people's exam papers and you were giving them all very good marks. So it looked well on you. Did your class perform well in those exams? Uh, I don't know if I can make this information public, but I did have to fail two people. <laughs> <laughs> but is it the English lessons, right? Yeah, out of like because 40, they couldn't so speak English. Good... Was that the was that the issue? Well, they could speak some, but the pass grade seventy, and like one of them got a sixty nine, which I felt quite bad about. But you know, that's you how gave it them sixty nine. No, the mark scheme dictated that they got sixty nine based on the answers they had written. Right. So, so yeah. Yeah, okay. So it's quite a rigid. Yeah. You know, it's not a subjective thing. I don't write the exam or the mark scheme. I just grade their papers. Hey, don't shoot the messenger. That's the sort of yeah. that's what you're saying. I'm just I'm just working on other people's orders. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the Nuremberg defense. <laughs> um, we've had a few messages, Tom, on our well distinct lack of coverage of the men's race. Um, it is not because we are disinterested. If if anything, it's because we are so involved in it. I was there, so it's difficult to record it from there. But we're not talking about that here. We decided it's better. Well, I've decided, Tom. I'm telling you this now that it's better for us to focus on a preview for the women's race and then we'll just get to the men's race when it finishes. Because if we talk about the men's race now, then there's only like three stages to go. And well, more than that. Today is the day we're recording is the day of the time trial in the men's race, uh, which has not quite a lot to talk about. Well, yeah, but not to spoil anything, which has basically ended the race. So (laughs) we could have done our final episode there on it, but we're not going to. We'll wait until Paris. Mm -hmm. Tour de France fam, Avec Zwift. Conversely, Tom, let's mm-hmm. let's start by reflecting on last year, shall we? Absolutely, you've blindsided me with that one as well. But let's go. <laughs> Did you remember who won last year? Uh, Annemiek van Vluten. Yeah, I've gone through my research for the previews, and uh, I think there was one publication that described it as a rampage that she went on through the Vosges Mountains last year. Was that by any chance the publication I work for? Or was it a different one? Uh, well, I won't name any names. I don't want to uh, hurt anyone's feelings or give any free advertising. Um, but I I read every publication that comes up on the first page of the Google search when I <laughs> when I type in Tour de France fan preview. <laughs> when you go to rip off other people's previews. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, it, it was a rampage of sorts. I completely agree. And it was in, crowned off what was an excellent first edition, I thought. Yeah, I, this one's going to be better. This, you reckon? Yep. Because I've seen some talk of kind of a, a concern about second album syndrome. 
Yeah, but when I think when you've got a, a back catalogue of stages that you can take from the men's race and uh, the history and the um, uh, another word that sounds like history that I can't remember that goes with that, I think, you know, it's a slow burn. They've, um, to be fair, with the men's race this year, they've pretty much put in that final stage from the women's race last year as well. So they're using both to dovetail with each other. Um, but I think they were a bit hesitant last year. There were some key aspects missing from the race that you would expect to see in a, in a big stage race. And I think they've gone one better and added them in this year. Yeah, completely agree. I mean, mm. what you're referring to there, I think is the high mountain finish and the time trial and a time trial. Yeah, absolutely. Which we've now got. Not just a high mountain finish, a high mountain finish on the greatest mountain in France, and then a time trial in the greatest city in France. So what more do you want? Well, people wouldn't have seen how you delivered those lines there because this is an audio <laughs> platform. But you, very like politician, like raised your finger into the air, like you're like some sort doing of that. <laughs> local councillor or local ambassador for that region, which which you kind of are. Uh, I'd, there's probably not many people in the last uh, eight years who have talked up that region as much as I have, especially in English. Let's drum into it. The, the route for this race is very much concentrated in the kind of west and southwest of France. Um, Absolutely. which is a very special area for you Tom now for the new listeners who for some reason have stumbled upon our nonsense <laughs> why don't you take a moment to to explain or expand on your affinity with France's southwest well you know what the worst thing about this is so obviously I am in love with Poe I have been since I lived there I did my Erasmus there I studied there and learned most of my French there um but you dr drunk a lot in the Irish bar there yeah, I did. A lot of Cronenbergs were consumed. But I, I was there in 2015, and I haven't been back since. You were in Poe 10 days ago. That's true. Um, yeah. When I was in, when, when in Poe, the uh, president of the, of the Republique, Emmanuel Macron, was passing through. So it's clearly the, the place to be. Did you have a word with him? No, I didn't. I was very confused as to why all the roads were shut off, and uh, there were a lot <laughs> of people in suits walking around the street. So I asked somebody, as every good journalist should do, mm -hmm. and I said, what's going on here then? And he said, Macron's coming through. And I said, okay. And then I walked on. Uh, French politics is about as precarious as Peruvian politics at the moment. So I don't know how popular <laughs> Macron is in Po or indeed anywhere in the country. But, I uh, yeah. genuinely have no idea. He was at the Tour yeah. de France for a stage and I did not know whether they were going to be really excited about that or yeah. completely <laughs> up in arms about it. Yeah, um, I the, I like Poe and it's got a history of voting along the same political lines that I would. So uh, I've always had sympathy for it there, which is probably at odds with the rest of certainly the rest of the south of France. Um, so I've always enjoyed it as a place. And um, also, I think I said this to you off air, but the white jersey this year in the women's race is sponsored by the region as well. It's sponsored by the region of uh, Occitanie. Which is not just okay. Poe, that's like the entire, it used to be like the bottom half of France, but I think it's now sort of from Bordeaux down to, uh, across to sort of wherever Catalonia starts down there somewhere. So this is, I, I do quite like this about the Tour de France fam, it's the way that it doesn't try to, it makes no attempt to like, you know, pass through every corner of the country. It, have I done something? No, I have, it's not the white jersey, it's the most aggressive rider. Okay, right, well you've, yeah. you've, you've corrected your yeah. mistake there. <laughs> Um, but what I, was, what I was saying was what I like about the Tour de France Bam is that it doesn't try to pass through every corner of the country. It concentrates in a region and then it kind of 
has an identity in that space. Like last year, it was all in the northeast in the Vosges Mountains, Champagne country, wasn't it? In Cham- and Champagne country. Yeah. Uh, next year, it starts in Rotterdam, um, which I then assume will kind of spill into that kind of n- northeasterly corner again, maybe of France Dutch country. Which is yeah, which is not France at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what I like about this is that it's very much like you know we've got in that area of France, in Clermont-Ferrand, and then it heads down towards the uh, to the Pyrenees. Yeah, it is good. Um, Clermont-Ferrand, uh, there's a lot of uh, culture and history there. I think I've said this before, we mentioned it, but it's where Michelin comes from. So the tyres and the guide um, are based in uh, Clermont-Ferrand and a very big rugby town. You know what? I was in Clermont-Ferrand about a, a week or so ago, and mm-hmm. I was not not blown away by what I saw of Clermont-Ferrand. I had a Domino's pizza which was one of the worst Domino's pizzas I've had in my life. Did that get a mention in the guide? No, it didn't. It's, it's not in the Michelin guide, which I should have no. stuck to really, because that's what I did see the big Michelin building though. With the, did it have a Michelin man outside? Yeah, yeah, big, big whopping figure on the outside. Yeah. Um, but yeah, not not as blown away by Clamor Front. They also have a very quite like scary looking like black cathedral. My knowledge of Clermont-Ferrand comes from a year eight or year nine French textbook where there was a double page spread of like a case study of the city. And I've carried this knowledge with me about the tyres and the guide ever and the rugby team ever since. And that's all you remember. That was the whole yep. double page spread. Pretty much. Yep. Okay. Well, now they can lay claim to a grand depart of the Tour de France fam, Avec Swift, lest we forget the Avec Swift. Absolutely. Uh, um, which I, we, we've dropped the ball a few times in this podcast already, or I certainly have, but I will not be doing it again. And I would like to send my sincerest apologies to the online exercise platform, Zwift, who have um, who are not sponsoring this podcast, but I do just appreciate that they've launched into a four-year investment into this race that nobody really knew how good it was going to be and uh, have pumped quite a lot of money into it. So if, if we don't talk about them, then they probably wouldn't do it again. Yeah, and to be fair, uh, the race last year was a great success that brought in far more television viewers than I think they thought they would. So um, Zwift should be quite pleased with their investment so far. Do you want some numbers on that? Actually, Zwift have just released a report on that. Yes, let's go. Um, And then we'll get into the route and then we'll get into the contenders. Recent report ordered by Zwift found that 23.2 million viewers tuned in across all eight stages. It worked out an average of around 3 million per stage. Um, which was apparently a better audience share than the men's Euro d'Italia. And please don't ask me what audience share means. I I just thought audience share was a percentage. I thought that was what it was as well. But I yeah. now I drum into it, I, I don't want to get into the specifics of it. Okay, well, 23.2 million was a number that I had written down as well. So I'm glad we're on the same page there. Yeah, we've read the same report. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right, root. Um, starts in Clermont-Ferrand. There's, right, let, let's do an overview of this route. What, what interests me about this route is that there is no clear-cut stages in the first six, off the first six. They're all quite challenging. Yeah, so day one is is, is categorised as flat. Day two is hilly. And as you said, it's sometimes it's hard to gauge where these classifications come from because, I mean, I'll read you through the first six now. It's flat, hilly, flat, hilly, flat, flat. Oh, that sounds like a like a way to remember Henry VIII's wives, was it? Uh, divorced, beheaded, died, but not quite the same yet. Flat hilly, anyway. And I mean, there's a lot of recognisable places in there. These are places that definitely feature in the men's tour. Cahors, uh, Rudy, Albi, uh, Bl- Blagnac, 
Blagnac. I don't actually know how you say that. It's certainly not Blagnac. No, it's not. But it's just outside Toulouse. That's what I do know about it. And has definitely been uh, passed through and featured in previous tours de France. Do you know what uh, a place that stands out to me there, Tom? Uh, I don't know. Tell me. Collange La Rouge. Uh, Pourquoi? Because, uh, sorry, uh, parce que it (laughs) is... uh, called la rouge because all of the t- all of the houses there are made from this very distinctive red kind of sandstone brick and it's very beautiful but also what i find fascinating about it is it's a very very tiny little village so either they're going to be ramming team buses through the tiny side streets or it doesn't actually start this and this is the more likely option the stage will not actually start in collange la rouge it will start in some car park outside collange la rouge <laughs> which is what which is the uh the, the sad realization i'm, I'm the bracing myself theory. for yeah yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll go on a little segue here quickly and tell you that the city i'm in now arequipa is called la ciudad blanca uh, the white city um, is that because be- of the buildings because all the buildings are made from a volcanic rock that is very prevalent around here because i mean there's a massive volcano right next to the city well i, I, I i'll add to this tom this thursday i'll be mm-hmm. flying out to the tour de france fam avec swift and I'll be flying into a city called Toulouse, which you've already mentioned. And do you know what Toulouse is called? Uh, Toulouse in Occitan, it's called Tolosa. No, uh, no, it, the <laughs> nickname. Uh, La Ville uh, Blanche. No, they call it La Cité, <laughs> La Cité Rose because of the pink the buildings. Pink city. Ah, Toulouse is lovely. I don't know if you've been there before. But it's a very nice city. No, I'm not. And I'm flying in mm. at nine o'clock at night and then straight out the next morning. So I'm expecting yeah, to see a shame. <laughs> very little more than the McDonald's, to be honest. Uh, I suspect I have seen the McDonald's. I've also been to the football there and I saw Hatem Ben Arthur play for Nice against Toulouse in an empty stadium. Yeah. Why was it empty? Uh, COVID. Uh, a bit morbid, but it was uh, the week after those attacks in Paris and the French weren't really going out still. So it was an empty football stadium. Right. Well, okay, that's a good excuse to get back on track to the yeah. To <laughs> Let's the get racing. back to cycling. <laughs> yeah. Um, lots and lots of categorized climbs over the first six stages. Stage one, there's a category three kicker just before the finish line, which will score off, I think, the possibility of a sprint. Mm-hmm. Stage two, we've got six categorized climbs: one for the rulers, aka one for Marlon Rosa, I think. Stage three, five category four climbs, but all in the first half. This this stage three, I think, is the first clear sprint opportunity. Yeah, um, and I assume uh, when we talk about sprints, we're, we're not really going to look past Lorena Weebus to win any of them, are we? Well, we are, and we'll come on to that. Okay. And that, uh, that, will, okay, be, that I, will be something for the listener to wait for. Yeah, okay. So you say we, I'm not. So Okay, well, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll nuance the argument a bit then. Okay. Do you want to move on to stage four from Carol to Rodé? Well, this would be the natural progression. So yeah. stage four, yeah. quite a lumpy finale. I think this is likely to be our first GC day. Yeah, I say so. That's uh, once you get you get into the race, things establish themselves, and that is uh, it's it's categorised as hilly. Oh, ominous. Yeah. Um. So, I again hilly. It could be one for the rulers. It could be a GC day. You know, it's it's one of those up in the air ones, I guess. But this, this, I think that is the key. That is the crux to this. The mm-hmm. first kind of four stages, really, and that is what I'll, what will keep us guessing because it's like it could be one for the rulers. But if the GC girls fancy it, then who knows? 
which I think they will because I mean there's only eight stages of this race so they need to take opportunities when they can get them and if they're going to try and put time into Annemiek van Vluten before the Tourmalet then it's going to be up to like SD Works or Team DSM or sorry DSM Fermanek to um, really put the pressure on in those first four stages first four stages and try and force some time gaps I agree and I think it's always incredibly risky when look there's one high mountain stage but if you leave everything to that day and for whatever reason you have an off day you're going to need to go and make some gaps and something happen somewhere else mm, definitely stages five and six I'm not particularly interested in that they will be almost bang on sprints I think mm-hmm. and then here we go and then we have the tourmalade yeah. now the focus will be on the tourmalade but let's not sniff at the cold ass spam which comes before it let's not yeah, sniff at it. is that a phrase don't sniff at it or don't turn your nose up at it uh either or I it's not it's not to be sniffed at it's not to be sniffed at yeah Th- this stage as don't Marion, underestimate it don't underestimate it uh marion Roos, the race director herself has said that this stage is a, a proper tour de france high mountains day i mean this is the highest the tour de france fan peloton will ever go last year not they'll ever go last the highest they've gone since whatever in, um, this, in the second edition of this race well you know what the tourmalet is regularly the highest point in the men's tour anyway um mm. There are obviously higher mountains, and I think the highest they get to in the men's tour this year is in Courchevel tomorrow, uh, as we record. Um, but the Tourmalet is over 2,000 meters. It is very high and quite often takes the uh, souvenir Henri de Grange or whatever it's called for the highest mountain pass in the race. Well, I think the interesting thing about this stage isn't the altitude of it. Mm-hmm. The thing that interests me on this stage is the length of the stage. Uh, it's short. 89 kilometers. Yeah. I, I like those punchy mountain stages. They've started introducing them over the last five, six years, haven't they? And they are exciting. We just need more across cycling in general. Like it, the, yeah. the first, what, what we generally see is when, when they have them 200 kilometers long or 170 kilometers long, the first 120K just gets neutralized or a break goes and then they get reeled in at the foot of the climb. And it's Final like, well, climb. yeah, great. I've wasted four hours. <laughs> and you've all, and all the riders have wasted four hours. And they've wasted all the petrol getting from the start town to the end town. Keep them punchy. Bring on the firework display. This is a region. There's there's four or five very commonly used passes and climbs around there. I'm sure uh, the Aspan and the Tourmalet is a is a regularly used combination. And yeah. I think sometimes they throw like the I don't know, the Col de la Madeleine in there or something as well. If that's something like that's around there, is it um, is Izuard around there? I think. Probably uh, Altacam and places like that. There's loads. Yeah. Of, we can we can sit here and name Pyrenean climbs forever. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, but the Aspen into the Tourmalet is a well-rehearsed, well-used combination of climbs. And <clears throat> yeah, how the part you say it? 89 or 92? 89 is what I have. 89. Have I got that wrong? No, no, uh, no, 90, no. 90 it says. I think it is around 90. 89. Um, I, I think the stage in Poe, Tom, you're going to be a bit disappointed about because... The good thing about it is that the yellow jersey will be on the line right up until the final second of that stage. Yeah. Um, it's it's not really the tourist route off Poe that you would have hoped for, I don't think. So I know that you talk about that time trial in Poe that you were at. When was it? Four or five years ago? 2019. 2019. Yeah. Um, the final 500 meters of that route where they, they come up that really, they turn the left and they come up that really steep climb uh towards the finish line i haven't looked but i do hope that is the finish again it's not there's they yeah. do so they start and finish in place de verdun 
Do you know that one? It, it, I googled it. It's basically a yeah, giant car yeah, park. Yeah, no, I know it well. Um, and then it's it good heads... for drink, good for drinking in. Uh, oh right, if you're well, interested. That, that yeah. I'm very interested. That boat as well. Yeah. Um, then then the stage heads south out of Poe into the kind of surrounding hills, uh, and then comes back into the town. It's it's not like a city center like loop. It, it's a big loop out of the city. So I used to I used to run through the Place Verdun and then across the river to uh, south of the town. Um, so it sounds like they're doing something very similar. I didn't run twenty two kilometers. They must have looked at your Strava files. Yeah, um, I had a little ten k route south of the river in Po that I would do, and it included going down past the Place Verdun and across the river from there. So they must be uh, at least using a couple of kilometers that I uh, paved the way for. <laughs> That'll be, that'll be where they've got it from. Yeah. <laughs> um, should, we, should we talk about the contenders, Tom? Yeah, so we've mentioned Annemiek van Vluten. Yeah. Do, do you think uh, she stands a chance? Uh, she is she's riding, isn't she? she? 100%. I mean, she's the, yeah, the yeah. big contender. That's what right? I was going to say. So she absolutely stands a chance. She's the defending champion. Um, the, the main challenger would appear to be Demi Vollering, um, who... I've got history on this podcast, certainly, of backing her to win every time she's in a race, which is normally quite effective. <laughs> she's a very successful rider. But uh, I know Annemiek van Vluten came out of the race last year and just said, look, I'm 15 years older than the rest of you. I've got that much training in the legs. And over an eight, even an eight-day stage race, that does add up. Um, so what it comes down to really is, can the youth beat the experience? Um, but I would also say that Annemiek van Vluten rode and won the Giro. Um, and it's not often you see a Giro Tour double. So that's something to be wary of. Well, th this is the thing. We're led to believe that Annemiek van Vluten is retiring at the end of the season. But mm -hmm. she's clearly... What she's done is she's realized that she can't be explosive in one-day races like she was previously and also perform over these eight, nine-stage races. So what she's done is she's really drummed down into the longer races, the longer stage races affected the art of those she won the welter femenina albeit by a holding on by a thread uh you remember that dramatic lagos de covadonga stage in the clouds where she held on by nine seconds oh, yeah. yeah um was much more resounding in the giro donna she won by almost four minutes uh and won three of the nine stages and i think there is a risk that we could see that again i, I really hope that on the tourmalet you know we don't get 4k in and she rides away from everyone else I hope it goes down on that, like that Lagos Covadonga stage where she, everyone else is riding elite level and she is up there with them. I don't mind if she distances them in the last two kilometers, but I just hope it's a lot more closely contested, which I think it will be. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I think I'd probably fancy her in a time trial as well, though. So if she can ride away from on the tourmalet, I don't see it being brought back the next day. Well, the, the, one of the interesting things that Demi Vollering has on her side, not in the time trial, obviously, is that Lotta Kopecky has basically sworn herself to being Vollering's lieutenant. Yeah, and we know how strong that team is. We talked about it a lot. Well, I, I, we could put a number on it if you want. Do you want to know? Do you know how many races they've won this season? I don't. Um, do you want to guess? Go on. No, um, you guess. I, I, uh, 30. They have won 39 races this season. I thought I'd gone way too high with 30 as well. Plus nine national titles. That's ridiculous. So on pro cycling stats, they've got 48 victories to their name this season, which is basically unheard of. 
and now she's got Kopecky riding for her. I think it's more, this is the interesting thing is that we'll see how long that lasts because there's quite a few kind of Kopecky style classics stages. Yeah. But we need to remember that this year is quite a peculiar one with the Super Worlds uh, coming immediately afterwards. And Kopecky's big target is the track and the road race there. So I would understand if she's using this as kind of a form form getter. Yeah, um, so would I. Um, I am quite intrigued to move on to the sprints because I've I've nailed my colours to the to the mast, but you might have something different for us. Well, we'll get. Well, I want to throw a few more names in the in the GC oh, okay. hat. Yeah, um, Juliette Labus. We should note her. She mm-hmm. flew under the radar at last year's Tour de France Fam. Very few people, and me included, didn't really clock that she finished fourth. Best French rider at the race. She just mm-hmm. came second at the Giro Donna and was one of few riders that could hold Van Vluten's wheel uh, when it went uphill. Um, has clearly improved on her ride, on her climbing, and will have a very strong team around her with the likes of Pfeiffer Georgie. The, the issue with that team, which is the same with SD Works, is that they've got their priorities split between sprinting and GC because they've got Charlotte Cool, who we will come on to in a second. Um, other teams I want to highlight, FTJ Suez have two riders that they're probably going to go for a two-pronged attack on the GC, Marta Cavalli and Cecilia Trib-Ludwig. Um, if I were the DS on that team or the manager, I would scrap the idea of going for GC, mainly because I think those two are destined for top fives at best. Um, the team for me, I mean, they are also very flair riders, right? Like Cecily, that stage that she won in Epinay last year was probably oh, yeah. the, one of the best stages from the race. And also, I think with, with Cavalli, if she ships a few minutes or ships like 10 minutes, then she can get herself up the road on the Tourmalet and take a huge win. I think there's more in it for them doing that. We've also seen Vittoria Guazzini is back in the mix after, I can't remember what happened to her, but she got very seriously injured. Yeah. Um, excellent time trialist. So they could, they could potentially take like three stages, but I fear they won't because they'll be trying to hold the wheel and keep pace for the GC. Um, then I have two riders I want to mention that I have question marks over, which are Cassianovia Doma, who came third last year, has been consistent, but is not a consistent winner. Yeah, her her last win was four years ago, 2019. Is it really that long? 2019 was her last win, but she's she's it's... always been kind of podium there thereabouts. The thing that keeps her in the mix is that she loves to attack, right? Like. Rarely a race goes by where she's not the first person to make an attack. She she goes yeah. on heart a lot in the attacks. Yeah, and your final name, Elisa Longo Borghini. Uh, okay, yeah. I mean, I was expecting one of the Italian Elisas to come up, so that makes sense. <laughs> so she, she would have been a favourite, and her climbing on Jebel Hafi at the UAE Tour in February was supreme and second to nothing. Um, the, the the issue there is that she abandoned the Giro Donna with a suspected concussion, which turned out not to be a concussion, but she did damage her pelvis and was like very, very hurt from that. So I wouldn't be surprised if leadership in that team, Little Trek, um, moves to their little climber, which is Gaia Riolini, who has had a genuine breakthrough season. She's like Longo Borghini's diminutive sidekick. Um, if you don't remember her from the UAE tour, which why would you? You'll remember her climbing at the Vuelta Femenina on Lagos de Covadonga, mm-hmm. yeah, where absolutely. she was immense, kept pace with Demi Vollering, 
Um, and I think also was riding with like two full bottles of water on her bike as well. Um, and she came third at the Giro. So she, she is a genuine GC contender. She, I think she is, she's probably my pick for third. Behind Van Vluten and Vollering. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Honestly, I, I couldn't separate those two. I think Van Vluten will win. I think Vollering will come second. But cl- I mean, last year, the gap was three minutes, 48. I think that will be around a minute this time. Mm-hmm. And then Riolini not long after Vollering. <clears throat> I'm not willing to dispute that. I I think that's probably a fair enough assessment. Thank you. I've realized I've just spoke, I've just spoken quite a lot about the GC contender. So Tom, why don't you um what do you well, say no, pin, it's pin fine. your something to the wall about Weebus? Uh nail my colours to the mast. Go ahead, Tom, nail your colours to the mast. Um well it's not that difficult an argument to make, is it, that Lorena Weebus wins sprints? She does win sprints. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much it. I'll admit this is not my most researched um, piece that we've ever done on this podcast one uh, because Lorena Weavers wins sprints and two because you told me we were doing this about three hours ago and I've not had loads of time since then to uh, to come up with as many alternatives as you did on the GC there but Assuming she's got the form that she regularly does in the legs, um, she's been untouchable in sprints for a long time now. Well, this is one of my favorite narratives that's come out of the Women's World Tour this season mm-hmm. is the Lorena Weebus Charlotte Cool narrative, which is when Lorena Weebus left Team DSM last season every, and mm-hmm. went to SD Works, everyone was like, she is going to clean up in the sprints. This is unfair. This is boring. Like, this is like Real Madrid Galactico's philosophy, right? Mm-hmm. But out of the shadows at Team DSM came Charlotte Cool, who was her understudy and has been performing incredibly this season. Um, I guess because she was the she was the training partner of Lorena Weebus. Like she knows what Lorena Weebus like. She was her lead out woman for all of last season. Um, she knows the conditions that suit Weebus, she knows what Weebus is like in the kicks, but also never really got the chance to kick and sprint Self. herself. Yeah. This season, I think Cool has been outperforming Weebus. It's brave. It's a bold take. Yeah, it is a bold take. And it, this is the thing. It's, it's also like, it really depends on your view on it. If you look at race results, I think Cool has had more wins in total. And what you might then say is, oh, well, maybe she's taken lower value wins. Um, but she's also taken six World Tour wins and Lorena Weebus has had five. Albeit because SD Works are splitting their wins across riders. And we've seen Lorena Weebus evolve into a, a not just a pure sprinter role. She's also been like, I, I can't remember which race it was, but she was climbing and helping um, on the cobbles in the in the early classics. Like, like towing Kapeki. She's basically turned into a Wild Van Art sort of character. Yeah. But no, I think there's I think there's good good competition in the sprints. I don't think it's as I don't think Weebus will win two stages. I don't think any sprinter will win two stages. <laughs> Because you've yeah. got you've got Voss, Mariana Voss, and Elisa Balsamo as well. That is true. Uh, Mariana Voss is the green jersey winner from last year. Um, again, she's she's very much part of the old guard with Van Vluten, isn't she? So for her to to get up and sprint at full speed, if there's one thing you do lose with age, it is flat out speed. Uh, so I'm not really expecting as much from Mariana Voss as you might have done before, um, <clears throat> and. Again, with Elisa Balsamo, I, again, at the top end, at the sharp end, I think she gets pipped every time. 
this is the thing. I agree with you. I don't think her yep. top speed is as good as. I mean, nobody's top speed is as good as Weaver's is, but I think mm-hmm. she hasn't had to be as crafty with her sprints until as much as until this season and, and think too much yeah. about the tactics. Last season, all she had to do was open up the sprint and she would win because she was the fastest by way. Yeah. But now she's got Cool, who is maybe a bit slower, but tactically very, of, very astute. Bit of racecraft. There's going to be a lot of racecraft on display. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited for it. Yeah, so am I. I'm actually back in Europe for the end of it as well, so that'll be nice. Is your time in Peru running up? Uh, have I got the months wrong? No, I think I've got the months wrong. Don't worry. When, when, yeah. when, does, when does your <clears throat> Peru séjour finish? Ignore it. Because I'm in Peru, I'm on the um, Tour de France website here, and it's got the dates in the American format, and I've just got them completely the wrong way around. So uh, <laughs> don't worry. Um, I still have another month here. Okay. And uh, um, how, how are you finding watching racing? Are you finding it very difficult? Because I mean, very difficult because I wake up at six o'clock in the morning and it's already started. Yeah. Um, and um, it's it's not that big here. I'll be honest. There's a lot of Colombian cyclists, but in Peru, it's not really a sport that's taken off. Um, so it's hard to find it broadcasted. And I'm mostly just watching highlights videos at the end of the day. Well, don't worry, Tom. I will be on the ground in france i will keep you updated as to what happens i look forward to that um if people also want updates on the race which which we have been lackluster with during the tour de france om um where can they find those uh they can find us on twitter and insta um we're not we haven't done threads yet have we we're not on Twitter. i i don't really know what that means so um and we're, I have a we're very account very inactive on instagram so yeah <laughs> i can't see us adding another social media into the mix there uh and that depends if we ever want to get deep into the metaverse then we'll see but <laughs> for, for now it's uh twitter and instagram at ttpdcst wonderful and we will catch up tom next week to run through the men's tour de france absolutely should be a cracking final week there based on what we've seen today so that'll be good and you you've got very few stages now to really bolster up your uh, your fantasy team which is going terribly for you again oh, this year but we will come on to that absolutely no need <laughs> let's get that little jibe in right at the end yeah. <laughs> um tom a pleasure speaking with you and the listener and you. thank you very much for tuning in i hope you enjoy the race as much as we are expecting to yep thanks everyone take care